Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Good morning, everyone. I want to make sure you guys are awake. Today's gospel is a really powerful gospel. Because, as we said last week, if you saw the House of the Rock video or if you heard, were there for the second liturgy sermon, I spoke about how the church constructs the lectionary, the readings. And the focus of the readings of the church in each section of the church year is to connect us into relationship with the Holy Trinity. So we talked about the beginning of the church year is focused on the love of God the Father. The love of God the Father. And as we go into the second section of the year, it's going to be focused on the grace of his only begotten son. And then as you move into the apostles, the Pentecost and the fast of the apostles, it's going to move into the communion, the gifts, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You notice that's also the benediction that Abuna gives at the end of every service. Because the goal of our liturgical life is not to just come in here and to partake of the Eucharist. It's to go partake of the Eucharist and then to live in loving union with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is essential because as you see the readings of the church today, specifically in the gospel, there's a specific verse that we say in the litany of the gospel. Blessed are your eyes eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And what does the priest say? He's saying, may we hear and may we act according to the Holy Gospel. So Christ says, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. You all are getting to see the fulfillment of the love of God the Father. The fulfillment of the love of God the Father is that he sent his only begotten son into the world for you and I. For you and I. The outpouring of love that God has towards the world is that he sent his son into the world because he saw that the world was broken. He saw that the world was in need of healing. He saw that the world had time and time again messed up over and over and over again. So what lover of mankind sees mankind perishing and doesn't want to do something about it? How many of us, if we see our kids struggling, do we like do everything in our power to try to fix the situation. How much more God, whose essence is love, how much more does he do? He says he can't leave his people like this. So the outpouring of God's love towards us is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The outpouring of his love is that he sent his only begotten son into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. But then you see, as you move on through the gospel reading today, that this lawyer, this lawyer comes to him and says he tested him. By the way, what is the job of a lawyer? It's not like the lawyer of the modern day. It's not like, oh, he looks at legal matters. These are lawyers who evaluate the Mosaic law. They're the ones who say, actually, it should be done this way. And actually, what they meant is this and this and this. You know, by the way, they consolidated all the Levitical laws into 613 laws. 613 laws 
You want, to, you want to do this? You have to do it this way. You want to eat? You do it this way. You want to go to the bathroom? You do it this way. You want to go this way? You do this way. Everything has a prescribed method. 613 laws in Judaism. So the lawyers, their job was to ensure that they can say, eh, you broke the law this way. Eh, you did it. They were sticklers. So he tests him. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't come sincerely. He didn't come like you and I come and say, Lord, I want to be with you forever. He came testing him. And look what the Lord responds. He's very afraid. The Lord is. He said to him, what is written in the law and what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 613 laws consolidated into this. Love the Lord your God first, then with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Does anyone know what the next verse says? 29, what does it say? Does anyone know? It's not in the lectionary today. Sorry? And he went away sorrowful. He went away sorrowful. 613 laws were consolidated into what? Love. Love. Because in one second, Christ destroyed everything this man had ever thought made him justified and righteous. In one second, he had everything that he had preconceived and constructed in the way that he saves himself. The goal of following the Mosaic law is to be a little bit better of a person than a worse person. Your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. So Christ in a second says, no, 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 let me make sure I clarify this for you. It's not about your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds. It's not about eating this way or doing this way. The whole goal of God is love. God is love. And the manifestation of his love and the evidence of his disciples is that they go and love as well. I want to read a quote to you from C.S. Lewis, which says, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gasoline, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel of our spirits. We're designed to burn. Our food, our spirits, we're designed to feed on. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it's not there. There's no such thing. Happiness and peace is not there apart from him. So the first part is saying what, you, what we are to do, which is to love God with all our hearts. First, to love God. The first part is love God. That's what we are to do. Now, we love him because what? He first loved us. Our response, like if somebody showers you with crazy love, insane amounts of love, what's the natural manifestation? You say, I love you too, Lord. Khalas, like enough. Like I see how much you've loved me. I want to give anything back to you because your love is so great towards me. 
And the second part focuses on three ways to express love back to God. So first, love God, but how? How do you love God? It's the how. The what is to love God, and the how is with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I wanted to break that down for a second for each and every one of you, and for myself first and foremost, for us to sort of understand what it means to go through and love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all your heart, with all your heart, the heart is where all choices are made. The heart is perhaps the first thing we are told to love God for that reason. Because where your heart is, there your treasure is also. What's occupying your heart? What have you given your heart to? What are the things that are holding you captive these days? Things that are taking priority. What does the heart do physiologically? If a heart isn't working, everything stops. Where the heart, what the heart does, it governs everything else. The heart pumps blood into the rest of the organs, and without the heart, the body can do nothing. It's the center of the body. Now the Lord is saying, with the center of all of you, do you love me? With everything that governs you, do you love me? With the most important part of you, do you love me? Do I love God with all my heart? Are my decisions made with God in mind? Is he my priority? Is he everything that I want? The soul. Actually, the soul, the Greek word here is psyche. Psyche. Which psyche actually would say, psyche means mind, right? But actually, the soul is what makes somebody unique. It is the uniqueness when God breathed himself into man, he stamped his image into man, and he gave man his likeness. And that image that he stamped on every single one of us is so unique. The uniqueness that every single one of us has. It's the essence of who we are. If we boldly embrace the person and the identity that God made us to be, we experience this intense harmony with God. We're all struggling and trying to figure out who we are and what our place is in the world. But if I understand my identity in Christ, if I understand that my essence, who I am, what I was created to be is the beloved, my identity is in him, then when somebody says to me, oh, you're a doctor. Yes, I'm a doctor, but I'm the beloved. That's my identity first and foremost. Oh, you're really successful. Good job. I'm so proud of you. I don't internalize that as if that's who I am because I know who I am is the beloved of Christ. The soul is what God says makes you who you are in me. The soul is what allows us to receive the fulfillment that we have from God and encourages us to reach our greatest potential in Christ, making us courageous to follow God with our heart first and foremost, and second, with our soul, because if I know if everything is given from my heart to God, then the natural byproduct of that is 
I know my identity is in the love that I've received from him. And if I know the love that I've received from him is so real and so powerful and so personalized, the natural inclination is that I give it everything that I have, my strength, right? What are you giving your strength today? What are you giving your strength today? All your force, all your effort. What are you putting so much time into today? Is it your love towards God? Is that taking all that you have within you? Is that first and foremost? Loving God with all my strength means not staying comfortable. Means I don't just do that which is easy for me to do. If I love God with all my strength, I'm encouraged and I'm pushed to love those even who are outside, those who are far off, those who don't know the Lord, those who've never encountered his sweetness, those who also I want to also share that same love that I've received freely, I've received freely, I give. Stepping out to help someone that's in need. Stepping out to reach out to someone who hasn't been here for a long time. How many of us grew up with somebody in this church or remember somebody that was in this church and are forgotten? If we love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, is our heart not broken for those who are not here? You remember the story of the prodigal son? What did the older brother do? He hung out in his house with his dad. If he really was a son, what would he do? He would run after and chase after the younger brother until his brother came home. How many of us, our hearts are broken for those who don't know the sweetness and the love of God. We don't walk by ourselves, by the way, when we say love God with all our strength. Strength doesn't come from me. My strength is made perfect in weakness, right? It says to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. When I acknowledge my weakness, that's when God is able to give me the strength to love him with everything that I have. Oftentimes we think that we're gonna do more and I'm gonna do more and I'm gonna do more, but Lord, I want only to love you for what is fittingly deserving to you. Lord, I don't have the ability to love you more. I'm broken today. My heart is occupied with so much. There's so much that hurt it, that's hurting me. Lord, I've tried time and time again to love you the way that you deserve to be loved, and I've fallen short. Look to him and say, I don't have anything else to give you. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in the moment that you acknowledge your weakness. For when you are weak, I am strong. Only to love God with our strength, the only way to do so is to acknowledge that we are in desperate need of him. Desperate need of him to fulfill us and to push us and to encourage us. Finally, our mind. The mind is how someone sees the world. How do you see the world? You know, there's the expression in French, la vie en rose. Do you see the world with life in pink, with rose-colored glasses? Do you see the world beautiful? Or do you see the world filled with just darkness? Is your natural inclination to complain about everything? Is your natural inclination to see that which is wrong in everything around you? If I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, then I can only see the world as he sees it. And the way the world sees the world is beauty. There's a famous quote from a book called, it's a Dostoevsky book, 
And he says, beauty will save the world. Beauty will save the world. What's beauty? He is beauty. He is beauty. He is beauty. When you see the trees around you, when you see the rain, when you see the sun, before there was a written word, there was a spoken word. He spoke the world into existence. His breath is on everything that you see around you. When you see the leaves blowing, when you see the sun rising and setting, when you see the moon sparkle, all of that is him speaking to every single one of us, reminding us that I'm the one who spoke the world into the exist existence. Set your mind on me. Set your mind on the things that are above. See the beauty of the world around you. See the glory that I've created for you to see and to experience and to live in. King David says, when I look at the stars and the moon and the sky, what is man that you would consider him? What are we? What are we that he would consider us? But he considers us because he loves us. Let me ask you, do you see the world the way that he sees it? Do you see him in creation? Do you see his beauty stamped on every single thing around you? The more and more we ask the Lord, Lord, let me love you first and foremost with my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with all my mind, I start to then see everything around me the way that he sees it. My encouragement to every single one of you today, and first for me, is God wants devotion from us, not by force. I read a quote earlier yesterday that says, Son, if you think your sin is breaking of a law, you are mistaken. My son, the sin is the betrayal of love. The sin is not in the breaking of the law. The sin is in the betrayal of love. We look at God in the same way that this young man did. When we sin, we're, we are breaking a law. No, it's a betrayal of love. And God loves every single one of us. And our sin is not to make us feel terrible about ourselves. Our sin is to say, Lord, you love me so much and I need to return back to you. I need to return back to you because you love me so much. When a person repents, they're motivated to repent, not by fear. They're motivated to repent by love. So let all of us today come before him at the Eucharist and say, Lord, I want to love you with all that is within me, everything. And I don't know how. I don't know how to love you the way that it's fitting and rightfully worthy for you to be loved. But give me grace, give me strength, give me power, give me encouragement through receiving you. For my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you are weak, I will give you the strength. This is our medicine. This is our source of life. This is the healing for our souls, our bodies, and our spirits. So let us all, as we approach the Eucharist, partake of him, saying, Lord, I want to love you with everything. I want to give you all that I have. If there's anything occupying my mind, anything taking strength from me, anything stealing from me what is rightfully yours, give me the grace and the strength to do so. Because I know that every single one of us, since we're here this early, our desire is to do so. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. 
and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.